0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers—they're here to help.
1: He has time, launches it to the end
0: zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams. It goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He puts uh, Oh, he's the Red Raider the up the right
1: sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Republic of Football. I am your producer, Mallory Hartley, filling in for your host, Ishmael Johnson. And I forgot to mention, we are a show that didn't need to do a whole separate show to tell you that TCU deserved a playoff spot. And on the other line, hopefully well-rested from the epic Big 12 Championship Showdown, it's DCTF Small College insider Mike Craven. Craven, have you fully recovered from that wild game yet?
1: I did. It was nice having it at eleven o'clock. It gave me the afternoon and night, and I didn't have other games in the state to race back and, and watch and, and cover. So I was able to to get to bed by ten, get a full eight hours of sleep, and ready to go for the the selection show that, as you mm-hmm. alluded to, lasted an hour to give us four seconds of information.
0: Man, I woke yeah, I woke up a little bit early to get prepared for this, and then I uh, I wanted to wake up extra early so I could watch the show at eleven. Why did they drag it on for so long? It's like, hop on there, give us a quick intro, cut to the chase, tell us the four playoffs, and then we're good to go. I mean, they did not need to to drag it out. I mean, I know it's for money purposes and viewership purposes, but just cut to the chase. I mean, we kind of already knew at that point.
1: Well, and for anybody who doesn't know how this works, they already know. It's not like they're sure, fig- sure. figuring that out going in. Like we already knew, you know. Like mm-hmm. they they have quotes prepared and stuff. Like we got a press release as soon as it was mentioned, and they knew all the team, you know. So they had the graphics
0: teed up and everything already. Right. Too.
1: You know, none of this is a secret. None of this this is uh you know really kept under wraps. But yeah, for the TV and commercial purposes and all that kind, of – it's like the draft, right? Like we're watching the NFL draft, and people on right. Twitter are tweeting the tr- tweets or. Tweeting the picks four five six picks before, uh, but we got to do the whole song and dance show. So uh, glad that that's over. Glad that TCU's in it and and, uh, the first team ever in the state of Texas to make a college football playoff.
0: I know it's it's crazy. We'll get to that in just a second. But man, it's crazy that we're already talking about playoff college football time because it it it, I, I mentioned this on the on the Wednesday show, but it feels like yesterday that you and I were just in El Paso recording our first ever republic of football recap show after the unt and utep game so it's been one one hell of a season and obviously we're very excited to to keep that rolling with tcu in the playoffs. so without further ado let's just hop right into it um our headliner for today tcu will get the chance to play for a national championship as they claim the third spot in the college football playoff Georgia checks in at number one, Michigan checking in at number two, and Ohio State does grab that fourth playoff spot. So the Horned Frogs will play Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl uh, Saturday, December 31st in the playoff semifinal game poll. Um, Craven, I want to start off with this. Um, Did you have any doubt that TCU was going to get a chance to play for a national title? Now, I feel like you can go two ways with this. You can say, you know, did they deserve a spot or were they going to get a spot? You know what I mean? Right. So in your in your opinion, did you think they were going to get a spot?
1: I, I did. When USC lost the, the night before and then TCU made that 11 point comeback to send it to overtime. I, I tweeted as soon as Max Duggan scored that touchdown that tied it and then threw the two-point conversion uh, that made it 28-28 you know, I tweeted that TCU's in now, you know, because Mm -hmm. it it felt like the only way that they weren't going to go get in is if they got blown out, you know, if they got beat the way Michigan beat Ohio state, maybe that would have opened the door a little bit for Alabama. But I I think the, the, with the college playoff football expansion happening, I think that this group knows they have to keep everybody a little bit happy, keep everybody um, satisfied. And, Uh, believing in the system and if TCU loses an overtime to a top 10 team uh, in the big 12 championship that they've already beat once in favor of an Alabama team that's lost twice uh, an Ohio state team that got beat by 22 points. I just think they would have lost all credibility and and they couldn't afford to do that with their, when they're about to open the umbrella and let so many leagues and so many teams in.
0: Right. I remember uh, yesterday I was uh, talking to my dad and you know, he was looking at me and he was like, I don't think they're going to let TCU in. And I was like, no, I, I think they will because they don't want to cause pretty much a ton of chaos. <laughs> if they were going to put a two loss Alabama team over a one loss overtime loss TCU team. So definitely think that they made the right decision there. Um, yeah. I remember watching that game, the, the Utah and USC game, and I had the same, the same thought that you did. I was like, man there's no way that they can that they can keep TCU out of that when you when USC blows it you know what i mean and and there's still those two spots still left but yeah uh, super happy for the horn frogs they're going to get a chance to play for a national title is this the first time ever that they're going to be i guess in the modern college football era this is the first time that they will ever have a chance to play for a national title since i guess the 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 modern era started in 2013 i believe so yeah this is the first time that that, that they've made a a playoff spot
1: oh for sure i mean this will be the first i mean tcu has a national title but it's like before world war one or world war two or whatever you know it's a long time ago um you know this will be when when tcu plays michigan december 31st i believe it's like three or four o'clock central time yes in, in arizona it will be the biggest game that a college football team has played from the state of Texas since Vince young in the Rose bowl against USC, you know, wow. like this is, this is as big a stakes as it is. And if you go back, you know, you go back before Vince young and the USC Rose bowl, you know, there wasn't a national championship team in the state of Texas since the seventies, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is probably the second biggest game uh, of, of my lifetime in the state. Um, you know, it feels like a big one. We'll see. We'll see how they handle it. I almost think the loss may have been good for them. You know, yes, once now, now that agree. they now that they know that they're in it, uh, it'll humble them a little bit. It'll, it'll uh, put some perspective in them. You, it's hard to just win every single game in a row. I, th- I think the loss will help. They had a they didn't have their bye. You know, since week three. You know, so they played a lot of football in a row. Getting a couple weeks off will, will do them well. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Max Duggan in the Heisman race and, and different stuff. I would imagine he gets at least an invite to go to New York. It feels mm-hmm. like Caleb, uh, Williams is to lose, but I think he gets an invite there. Um, but I, I think the thing that sealed it for TCU is that 13th data point can't be the only thing that separates you like USC no. and Ohio state both had one loss. So USC losing and dropping to two losses, uh, you know, differentiates themselves to that. But you can't punish TCU for losing the 13th game when o- Ohio State didn't even have to play the 13th
0: game. Neither did when, Alabama either. Right,
1: when Alabama doesn't have to play the 13th game. And so if that just makes you equal, I think you have to to, to give it to the team who had to play on a, on a weekend that you just got to sit home. You can't be rewarded for just sitting on your butt while the other team goes and Absolutely. plays overtime. You know, if they get beat by 40, if, if yesterday it was 41 to three, you know, maybe there's a, there's a conversation to be had, but Uh you you lose an overtime on a goal line stop on a late field goal. I mean, that's just, that's just college football. It's a good game. It's not like Kansas state is bad. So I think the committee did the right thing. I, you know, we joke about how they, they make it long winded and stretch it out and act like Alabama, you know, was actually a part of it just so Marty Smith can brag about that. He knows where Nick Saban lives and stuff, but um, it felt pretty clear and cut and dry uh, going into today. And luckily there wasn't any surprises.
0: Yeah, and uh, throwing it back to the 2014 playoffs, I believe TCU and Baylor were actually passed over by Ohio State um, because Big 12 didn't even play a no. uh, championship game that year. Of course, Ohio State ended up winning the whole thing, so it's not like they got it wrong or anything, but still kind of TCU is coming back for revenge there, and hopefully they can prove a lot of people wrong and, and really, really glad they're getting some national attention after the the fantastic year that they had. But speaking of, let's go ahead and move on to the Big 12 championship. Kansas State beats TCU 31 to 28 in overtime. Now, I watched a little bit of this game. I especially obviously watched overtime. We were in the car coming back from San Antonio. But man, if you're a TCU fan or even if you're just a fan of college football in general, I felt like this one was just a heartbreaker because it felt like at the time, this was kind of a must win situation for the Horned Frogs to secure that playoff spot. And of course, we didn't know that at the time that they were still going to get in, but it felt like at the time they absolutely had to win to be considered a real playoff contending team. Um, but Craven, you were at AT&T stadium. You covered the whole thing. You were there from start to finish, you know, talk about your experience. What did you see? You know, did you have any doubt at that moment that TC was going to get in?
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things I honestly I really did go into yesterday thinking if this was a a single digit score, Mm -hmm. they they were in if the deficit, if if they lost by nine points or fewer, um, they were going to be in. But what I found to be interesting, one is both fan bases were in purple. So you couldn't tell kind of like who was who, who was cheering for which, which section was which until like something happened. And then you could be like, oh, okay, that's the Kansas State side because they just cheered. Um, So that part was interesting and you could just feel the anxiety. Like you could, you were in a building where there was some high stakes going on. Like that was a big time game with a lot riding on it and you could smell it. You could just kind of feel it in the air, uh, the tension and the anxiety. And as the game was going on, you could kind of see that on the TCU sideline. It felt like a team who knew they were playing, you know, for the biggest game that they could possibly play in their lives. And they were a little bit tight. They didn't run the ball all that well. They were bad on third down. I think they were two of 15 on third down. Uh, Max Duggan started six of seven and, and then wasn't very good after that through the air. Now, some of that was because of Kansas State. They were able to get pressure with three or four guys without blitzing. And I saw a lot of people on social media talking about the play calling and this and that. When you can't block a defensive line without them blitzing, it absolutely eliminates anything the offensive coordinator wants to do. Because if yes. you can't, if you can't throw the ball from the spot you want to be at and they get to drop seven or eight into coverage and you can only have three or four guys in rest, that means everybody's pretty much double teamed. Every single space is open. And so Kansas state did an excellent job game plan in TCU. I, I thought they whipped them up front and it's 11 an point game with like 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And you're like, okay, this is the danger zone because you know that the national audience and the national pundits want any reason to put Alabama back because I yes. thought Ohio State was in. Right as soon as USC lost, Ohio State's in. So for me, they claim that
0: spot. Yes. For
1: for me, this becomes TCU or Alabama, right? And the only way Alabama was going to get in is if TCU got boat raced, and with an eleven mm-hmm. point deficit and, a, and twelve minutes left, Kansas State with all that momentum, you worried that it was about to get away. From TCU and it was going to look like Utah USC the night before where it was a relatively close game and then all of a sudden you look up and Utah wins by almost three touchdowns and so Mm -hmm. but instead TCU did exactly what TCU's done all year and that stormed back and they score 11 straight points they tie it they go into overtime and then that's when it gets interesting if we're just Mm -hmm. talking about the football once overtime starts that's when it gets really interesting yes they get the ball they get down to the goal line Max Duggan has played like a uh, gladiator type football game he's got blood coming off his face he's got scabs all over his arms you mm-hmm. can tell he's just like at the end of his rope right And there are third and one on the one yard line and they give it to Kendra Miller and then it's fourth and one on the one yard line and they give it to Kendra Miller again and I I think Kendra Miller's been one of the best two or three running backs in the state this year but Max Dungan had done everything to claw your team back in there. You have to put the ball in his hands. Sonny, after the game, said if he could do it again, he probably would have done that. Mm -hmm. But just the way Max was beaten up and tired and just exhausted, they thought Kendra Miller would be able to get, you know, one last tough yard, and then that allowed Kansas State – to just kind of set up the the field goal and and make it to win the, win the game. And so uh, one of the best games I've ever been at with that kind Mm -hmm. of stakes. I mean, it was awesome. And so uh, a a great game, congrats to Kansas state. They've been excellent all year. Deuce Vaughn's our guy, Round Rock native. Uh, He was awesome. And so it's just, it's something you could that you're sitting there and you're like, when the game ended, it's like, that's college football. Like, that's why I do this job. Like it was an excellent explanation point to a tremendous 22 22 season. And I'm just glad it didn't cost TCU anything because there was really no losers yesterday. That was just an excellent college football game. And we all walked away uh, winners for seeing it.
0: Right. I, I remember sitting on Twitter yesterday and I, and I saw that before the game, they had announced that Adrian Martinez was not going to be starting for Kansas state. And in that moment I was like, Oh, that's, that's a really good thing. You know, they're gonna be playing with their backup quarterback. You know, he, he obviously has been playing this year and, um, but he, he was officially not the starter because Adrian has won the job back in the preseason. Um, but I kind of felt in that moment, a little bit of hope for TCU, you know, there, that's an advantage right there. Will Howard played fantastic yesterday. Excellent. And I lo- went back and looked at the games that he had started and He's four and zero as a starter at Kansas state.
1: Yeah. If, if Kansas state had started, cause Adrian Martinez is who Adrian Martinez is. He's the quarterback yes. we saw at Nebraska. He's hot and cold. If Will Howard had been the guy from the beginning of the year, I think Kansas state's in the discussion and not TCU. Honestly.
0: I agree. I mean, he looked just fantastic. Kansas state overall looked really, really good before we, we move on. I, I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into that overtime possession for TCU. Now when they were on third and one, right. It had third and one third and goal, I guess I should say. And I don't remember if it was third and goal or fourth and goal, but it sure looked like, and I, I think it was third and goal. I remember now it was third and goal. It sure looked like Kendra Miller crossed the, the plane. It sure looked like that ball crossed the plane. And I know they reviewed it and they ultimately decided that it didn't obviously, but from a fan's perspective, I went back and watched it and, you know, I saw some harp on social media about it. It sure looked like Kendra Miller may have scored there. Now, you probably watched it on the big screen up there. Were you kind of thinking the same thing or, I mean, did you seem see something that maybe we didn't?
1: So in the stadium, they didn't really play a slow motion replay or anything because the game just went on. Like you mentioned, they didn't stop the game to replay it or anything. and so- Right. We kind of have the TVs going next to us, but, you know, you're watching the game, fourth and goals coming on. I didn't realize until afterwards, like a couple minutes afterwards, that there was an angle that showed that Miller had crossed the goal line. It wasn't a great day for the Big 12 referees. I mean, I'm, no, I'm very all. familiar with Texas Longhorns and Longhorn fans just from the way I grew up and then my previous job. And so I my social media is a lot of Texas fans. And they complain that the Big 12 media is – like or the Big 12 referees are out to get them, right, that they're just – they're out to get them, yep. uh, right? But they're really just incompetent. You know, it's, it's a lot like when people have conspiracy theories about the government, you know? And it's like, yes. well, we faked the moon landing. It's like our government can't fake anything, right? They can't, they can't do anything competently. How did they hide going to the moon, you know, or not going to the moon? That's how right. I feel about the Big 12 referees. They're not smart enough to fix anything for anybody because if they would have, they would have fixed it for TCU to guarantee them a spot in the Big 12 championship. But as that game went on, it was it was blown call after blow call against TCU. Kansas State's first touchdown came when they had an off... The guy who caught the touchdown pass was offside. He mm-hmm. moved. Uh there was a roughing, or there was a there should have been a um grounding call late in the game that they just didn't even try to call. Like Sonny Dykes went ape, you know, and like mm-hmm. he's usually a pretty calm and collected guy. He went absolutely berserk. Um, and so there was a few. There was a few plays that, that were pretty interesting. And, and I don't even know if he was in or not, because maybe they're going to say that his momentum was stopped and they blew the whistle. And then he raised his hand. I don't know the exact explanation, but I've seen a lot of things reviewed that were a lot less close than that. And so that right. was the part that surprised me is like, maybe he wasn't all the way in, but y'all stopped the play for everything. Why wouldn't you stop it at the biggest play of the game, the biggest game of the year, yes. all that kind of stuff. That's, that's the part that surprised me, but when you're one yard away and you have two plays to do it, you just it should go have get been that clear. Yard. You just go get that yard, yes. you know. And so, like that's on TCU for not going and getting that yard.
0: Definitely, it should have been clear from the start. You know, they should have been able to punch it in easily and 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 won yeah. that game. But nonetheless, they still won it or they still made it into the playoffs. So, uh, good for them. Now, one last question before we do move on. I'm really curious to know, and I don't know if you know this question, but is this the first program? That makes it into the college football playoff in their first year under a first year head coach.
1: I would need to look that. I would imagine so. Maybe a Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley when they kind of took over. Yes. You know, yes, but they were so. they were inheriting jobs where they were born on third base. You know, like yes. Ryan Day took over for Urban Meyer and they're right there. Lincoln right. Riley takes over for Bob Stoops and they're right there. Nobody coming off of a losing record the year before uh has made it. I think only Michigan has made it. Uh, when they weren't ranked going into the year and that happened last year. And so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, for this TCU team, I think it's important to remember, you know, Treveus, 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 Treveus Hodges Tomlinson is in his fourth year Mm -hmm. at TCU. He went five and seven, six and four, five and seven. Now they're 12 and one and in the college football playoff, like Mm -hmm. it's insane. And so hats off to Sonny Dykes, that program, that team, Max Duggan, who started the year on the bench against Colorado wasn't even supposed to be the starter wasn't even supposed to be the guy who's going and that you know like coaches are the smartest people I know when it comes to football like Sonny Dykes Garrett Riley those guys know more about offensive football than anybody listening to this podcast right and even they watched Chandler Morris and Max Duggan for two three four five months and then picked the guy who's now on the bench over the guy who just led this team it's just that's one of the more you know miraculous stories of this year from TCU is like Sometimes luck just comes into it, you know, sometimes fate's just a part of it. And, um, you know, Max to be able to get benched after being a starter for that long and then not just completely check out and then come back in a half later into the season and then take a team to 12 and 0 in the Big 12 championship game. And then now to the college football playoff is one of the crazier stories that I can remember in this state in a long time.
0: You and I were sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings after the Austin Westlake and (laughs) Game watching the Colorado TCU game. You and I both saw Chandler Morris go down. Max Duggan had to check in and we both looked at each other like, oh boy. Right. We might be in for a long season with TCU, but boy, were we wrong. And I, I couldn't be happier that I was wrong in yeah. that moment because what a year that they had. So congratulations to TCU. Huge accomplishments this year, and they're not done. They're going to keep going, and you'll probably be at that semifinal game. So I will be there. As soon as,
1: as soon as it was uh, announced, I booked my flight. Um, Let's just go. Wait, waiting to get the team hotel information, and uh, we'll figure it out from there. But, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be be the biggest college football game I've ever covered. I was lucky enough to be there, you know, for Texas USC, but I was in the stands, and so uh, this will be this will be a fun one to be at to cover.
0: That's awesome. All right, let's move on to our last game of the week. Another conference championship game. UTSA beats North Texas forty-eight to twenty-seven to claim their second straight conference USA title. Now, I was at this game in yeah. San Antonio. From the start, from the very start, Pickle and I walked down to the field. We were looking at all the fans in the stadium, you know, saw both teams come out. Man, I could just tell you from the energy in that stadium, it just felt like UTSA was just, they were just more prepared from the get-go. The energy was just, just there. Um, North Texas was able to grab their first lead in the game about halfway through the 4 first quarter I believe with a field goal they went up 10-7 over UTSA UTSA scored the first touchdown of the game um Ani threw a an interception on the next possession of the game and then I felt like UTSA pretty much controlled the rest of the ball game um so with that let's go ahead and start with the UTSA Frank Harris it looked absolutely incredible He went 32 for 37, 341 yards, four touchdowns. Zakari Franklin caught 10 passes for 144 yards and a touchdown. Gavorian Barnes ran the ball 28 times for 175 yards and a touchdown. The defense came up with two turnovers and squashed the North Texas passing game, holding them to just under 200 yards. I mean, I... I don't know what else to say, but UTSA played a perfect complimentary football game, and they looked like a team that wanted to win another conference championship and and leave Conference USA with a bang.
1: Coaches love cliches, and a lot of them are BS, but one that I believe wholeheartedly in is it's not X's and O's, it's chains and Joe's. And had you changed coaching staffs, the result would have been the exact same. Mm -hmm. One team had Frank Harris, the other team did not and Frank Harris has put in a lot of great performances in his UTSA career, and I feel like I've watched every single one of them. I have never seen a better quarterback performance at the University of Texas San Antonio than the one on Friday night, like the biggest game of his life, uh, the biggest stage of his career, and as you mentioned, he accounts for over 420 yards and five touchdowns with no turnovers. I mean, he's he's just absolutely incredible, and You look over on the North Texas side and you know, Austin, is a good quarterback. You know, he set Mm -hmm. North Texas school records for touchdown passes this year. They were really explosive offense at one time this year. He had the third best complete, you know, yards per completion in the nation next to Tennessee's quarterback and Ohio state's quarterback. So, you know, he played, this is a guy who threw nine touchdowns and nine interceptions last year. Right. And he like, he quadrupled basically, uh, that output this year, but he's not Frank Harris and he doesn't have Joshua Cephas and he doesn't have Zachary Franklin. And, and that's without UTSA's third best receiver, JT Clark being on the field. Like they just have weapons, uh, that North Texas doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, let's give credit where credit is due. A lot of those guys arrived with Frank Wilson, you know, like the, a lot of those guys weren't Jeff Trailer guys, you know, uh, the only one out of the ones you mentioned that was recruited by this current staff is Barnes. And so mm-hmm. a lot of that talent was left over for Trailer. Uh Frank's been awesome. Uh it was funny after the game, I don't know if y'all caught this in person, but after the game, everybody's chanting one more year, one more year, and Jeff Trailer joined in on it, right? You know,
0: you want to know who led the chant? Jeff,
1: Jeff Trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Trailer
0: started that chant. <laughs> in the post-game
1: and the post-game afterwards, you got as close to a coach talking about paying a player as you'll ever get when he basically yes. said if, if I'm a donor, <laughs> if I'm a donor, I'm making it really hard for him to leave, you know? And yes. so uh, if Frank comes back, UTSA is poised to be an instant uh, contender in the American, but you now I don't, I don't know what we can say about this team over the last two years. Um, they're what 23 and three. Yes. Or something like that. Um, they've only lost one conference game in that time. And that was to North Texas when they already had it wrapped up uh, last year. Uh, they've been incredible at home. Um, they're just really good, man. They're just a really good coach team, a really talented team. They don't beat themselves. And Mm-mm. as you mentioned, The Alamo Dome was rocking. You get 40,000 people in the Alamo Dome and it feels like 80, just the way the acoustics are and stuff like that. That was a lot for North Texas to overcome. You got to overcome the talent advantage, the coaching advantage, and the home field advantage. You know, that's too much if you're going to make mistakes.
0: And if you saw the North Texas fan section, um, the band filled up most of it, right? And then there were a couple of UNT fans, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the UTSA fans managed to push the North Texas fans all the way up to the top of the bottom section. So they were covered by like an um an awning or whatever. Mm. So you couldn't see them very well. And I'm like, that right there is just a, that's an indicator of how this game is going to go. But man, like you said, UTSA has just been phenomenal. I think you pulled this stat out, but UTSA was 45 and 61 in the nine seasons before Jeff Trailer took over as head coach. And now they're 30 and nine. In three seasons, yeah.
1: I mean, coming out and he took that job in the middle of a pandemic.
0: In the middle of a pandemic, I mean, get a spring. Just incredible. I mean, this team is just. I mean, you can't not love them. I mean, I just, I love them as a as a North Texas fan. I mean, I just, I had a fun time going to the game, obviously, but it was, it was, it's so cool to see such a talented team. You know in your same conference. And now they're ranked number 20th in the official AP poll that just came out. They're getting a chance to play for another bowl game. Just an incredible, incredible team all around. Um, Now, before we move on to the No. Texas side, there is a question. I think that, you know, I've been wondering, a lot of people I've been talking to have been wondering, is Jeff trailer going to stay and, and, and for how long?
1: So, I mean, this is tough because like uh-huh. I have a mixture of inside information and like public information here. Right. I, th- I believe that Jeff Trailer will stay in the state of Texas. I don't think a job like Arkansas or LSU or something like that would appeal to him because mm-hmm. his superpowers are in the state of Texas. When he's in the state of Texas, it's like the Superman cape, right? Like it mm-hmm. gives him uh, an advantage that, that maybe anybody other than maybe Joey McGuire has maybe even more than Joey McGuire at this moment. So it feels like if we're if we're going to consider just the state of Texas. okay, he's already turned down the Texas Tech job Mm -hmm. because it was in the middle of the year and he didn't want to leave while he was undefeated and chasing a conference championship. And from what I know, he didn't take uh, an interview with TCU when that job opened up. So that leaves Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor and Houston as the power five schools. I don't know which the first one to open there is probably going to be Houston or Texas A&M, depending on how next year it goes. I don't know if the Houston job is good. Like, I don't know if the Houston job is one that he would go to. I would think it would be one he would listen to because it's closer to East Texas, the recruiting base, the big 12, all that kind of stuff. You'd have to listen to A&M because of all the money and just everything in the world, the East Texas ties, he'd dominate there. You have to listen to Texas because of the money, all you know, all that kind of stuff. I'd imagine Baylor as well. Um, and so I think those are the four jobs that UTSA has to worry about. I, I don't think any of the other ones out there are ever going to be a problem. And so, you know, you just got to see if, if, tech, if Sark, you know, figures it out at Texas and stays there for a while, that one's off the board. Aranda feels pretty comfortable and set in Baylor, that one seems off the board. And so it really comes down to like what Holgerson figures out in the Big 12 with Houston. And if Jimbo can turn it around at AM. if I'm a UTSA fan, those are really the only two, three, four jobs I'm sweating about. And none of those are open right now. Mm-hmm. And so he'll be back next year for sure. But every year, this is this is the price you pay for having a coach that's too good to be your school. And I say that as somebody, mm-hmm. I'm a grad, right? Like I right. built my career covering UTSA. Like I, I love the Roadrunners. I hope Jeff Trailer stays there forever. I joke with them about like I got the NIL money, you know, I got ten dollars on. You know, like <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of money, but I'll do whatever I can to keep him in there. But you also have to realize you're dating above your league, you know? Like he, he is the mm-hmm. top ten coach in the nation, really. If we want to get down to, brass you're tacks, absolutely like, right. The man is unbelievable at what he does. Like all he does is wait after the game he took, they're like, how do you avoid Gatorade baths so well? And he's like, well, back in my Gilmer days, we won a lot, you know, like he's gotten so good at avoiding Gatorade baths because he gets one basically every year when they win another gold ball or trophy or whatever. Like that's just what the dude does. He just wins football games. And uh, eventually he will move on to greener pastures and go try to win national championships and compete at the highest level and prove to himself uh, that he can. But I, I, My advice for UTSA fans is to just soak this in. Just Mm -hmm. enjoy this moment. You're not going to have Frank Harris forever. You're not going to have Jeff Trailer forever. You're not going to have Zakari Franklin, Joshua Cephas, Rashad Wisdom. Like these, these are the good times. You know, like these, these are the times you look back on and you're like, man. That three-year run was unbelievable. That four-year run was unbelievable. Don't look too far ahead. Don't worry about what happens in the future. Just enjoy right now. And right now, you are the two-time Conference USA defending champions about to move on to the American. This is a program in its 12th season of football mm-hmm. history. And here's where we're at. Just enjoy yourself and don't pinch yourself and just smile. Like That's that's your only job to do right now, Just right. to smile. Man. Maybe eat some barbacoa tacos.
0: Yes, of course. And... It's funny. If there is one indicator that indicates you are, if you are a good coach or not, it's if it's, it's how well you can avoid those Gatorade paths, Man. because you're absolutely right. I mean, I saw that down there and he was out of there quick and yeah. then he turned around and everyone was laughing, but it was a good time. And it's, it's, it's cool to to think that he just, does, he doesn't seem like a coach that wants to leave the state of Texas. He seems yeah. like he, I mean, he's born and raised here. Um, It feels like he's, not going to leave the state so it'll be interesting to see you know in the next couple of years or so where he ends up or if it, he decides to stay you know it's interesting and he's,
1: and he's a loyal guy for sure And he when he was at Gilmer he could have gone to 6a programs in the metroplexes right. and competed for 6a division one championships at those you know, those programs we think of of like having five-star kids every and he stayed in Gilmer because that's where he's mm-hmm. from and he likes it. He had to be pried out of Gilmer. You know, like his wife had to kick him out. maybe like, hey, you, you've been telling these kids you can do anything from Gilmer your whole life. It's your turn to go prove that.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's
1: gone and he, he's proven it. So I do think he's one of those rare coaches and he proved it last cycle. He could be gone. You know, he could have already been gone, uh, but he stayed around. And I think he's proven that, you know, he's not just going to take the next $500,000 that comes his way or just no. the first job that pops up. Like, that's not who he is. He's going to wait for the right opportunity or until he fe- fe- feels like he's done everything he can at UTSA, you know, mm-hmm. until he reaches that ceiling. Uh, or if, you know, one of the jobs that you just, you simply, you can't, if Texas comes calling, you can't pass that up. If A&M no. comes calling, you can't, you can't pass that up. You just can't. And so, Because at that
0: point it becomes about the money, right? Well, I it's mean, just, it's just more money. And, and all these guys are competitive. Like you don't For get sure. into
1: this industry like at any level as a player, as a coach, even as a media member, if you don't like to win
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he's winning and there's only so much winning you can do at UTSA. Like there is a ceiling. There just is, you know, maybe mm-hmm. with the expansion of the playoffs, that ceiling gets lowered or raised a little bit, whatever the phrase should be. Um, but there is a ceiling. You're not Alabama. You're not Texas. You're not Georgia. You're not going to recruit the kids that put you in the positions to go win national titles. I would imagine there's somewhere in Jeff Trailer. That he wants to go prove that not only can he win high school championships and not only can he win Conference USA championships, but he can go win Big 12 or SEC championships Mm -hmm. and he can go win a national championship. And if you can be a national championship winning coach with the THSCA hat on, you right off in the sunset as the greatest coach that's ever come out of the state. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there are things out in front of him that while he's not an ego driven person. We all have one. And mm-hmm. we all want to go test ourselves against the best. I would imagine if you gave him true serum, Jeff Trailer thinks he's as good of a coach as a Steve Sarkeesian or a Jimbo Fisher or a Brian Kelly or a Kirby Smart or any mm-hmm. of Billy Napier, any of those guys, right? And so he wants to eventually uh, go figure that out. And if the opportunity comes around, uh, you can't blame him to do so. But I don't think that takes away, and I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but I don't think it takes away uh, anything for what he's building at UTSA. I mean, he's right. probably going to end up having a statue somewhere. On Absolutely. That I mean, he, he's been... Uh, that good. And it doesn't appear like the run's going to end anytime soon, especially if Frank Harris comes back. Frank Harris comes back. You know, they may be the odds on favorite to win the American next year.
0: Mm -hmm. I completely, completely agree with that. It'll be exciting to see what they do next year. But let's before we go, let's go ahead and, and, and switch over to the North Texas side of things a little bit. Um, I was happy to see that they ran the ball more efficiently. You know, the the fan coming out of me, they ran the ball much more efficiently than they did in their last meeting against UTSA. Only twenty two rushing yards in total back in October when they played them. Um, Ike, Ika, how do
1: you, Ika-ki, <laughs> yeah. Ika- Ikaki, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> and Adai combined for one hundred and fifty eight total yards on twenty nine attempts and a touchdown. So, on that side of things, they were able to to keep the the, the ball rolling on the ground a little bit more but the passing game was pretty bad. It was squandered. Um, No North Texas receiver caught more than three passes for over 58 yards. Ani had two interceptions in the game, and on the defensive side, they gave up 571 yards, 344 passing yards. The secondary in general was just lit up. Um, I mean, like you said, this North Texas team is a good team. They went 7-6. and They're bowl eligible. They made it to a conference championship. Coastal trail got them there they're a good team um UTSA is just better yep. there there is just there's nothing more that you can say about this game coming into this game they knew that you know and I think it's it, it's just much more different than last meeting it was just a regular season matchup it was in the Alamo Dome you know this one I felt like there were more stakes to it UTSA knew what was at stake this was probably Frank Harris's quote unquote, last game in the Alamo Dome, they were going to show out. They were, they came out, they just looked more prepared than this North Texas team did. And I mean, there was not much that North Texas could do to stop them.
1: Yeah, I think going into the offseason because Seth Latrell's safe. He just is like anybody listening to the show or whatever, Latrell's mm-hmm. back for next year. Um, especially with them moving with the new athletic director, Ren, Breaker, Ren, Ren Baker off to uh, West Virginia. Yep. New AD is not going to come in late because they still got to hire him or her. They're not going to come in late and then just fire a coach late in a cycle and then have to figure that out. Like He's going to get right. next year, the first year in the American uh, to see what that is. And I think it's important to look at expectations. UTSA was supposed to be here. This is what UTSA was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. North Texas was not supposed to be here. Going in the year, six wins was going to be an achievement. We were all assuming they were going to finish under 500. This was going to be it for South the Trail. North Texas was going to get a new coaching staff as they moved into the American, blah, 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 blah. Instead, you know, they're right there. They, they they're they winning. They're beating their conference opponents. You know, UTSA and UAB are the only teams that are really beaten North Texas conference USA wise. Mm-hmm. And I guess we could blame the coaching staff for the roster dis, like discrepancies. But you look at North Texas's wide receivers and they don't have any of those. There's not a Zachary Franklin run, running around. No. There's not a Joshua Cephas running around. They don't even have an R- Oscar Card- Cardenas running around. You know what I mean? Like they just don't they don't have those kind of guys, maybe moving to the American, they can get them. Uh, but I think you're right. I, I think yesterday was just a North Texas team running into a better version of itself, just as well coached. And so there was no advantage to be had. Um, And, you know, they did run the ball better, uh, but UTSA did a much better job of stopping the big plays, forcing them yes. to kind of work their way down the field and seeing if Asanani and that offense could go without making mistakes and, and they couldn't. And so uh I think, I think we get in this industry, I talk about this on the show a lot. I think in this industry, we get into this position where it's like, you're great or you suck. There's no kind of like relevant, rational in between, you know? And North Texas is what it is. Like this program has been to a bowl game, what, six of the last seven years now? Mm-hmm. It hadn't been to six bowl games in the previous 40 years, right? right. So not the Trail is the most successful coach North Texas has had since Hayden Fry. He's doing a really good job at North mm-hmm. Texas. Is he at the top of the mountain? No, there's ways for improvement. They need to get better. Uh, at the wide receiver position, they need to de- they need to get better defensively. Yeah. If there's a conversation yeah. to be had, it's about what Phil Bennett's defense is going to be moving forward. And if that was the last time we see Phil Bennett uh, coaching defense for North Texas, because they gave up over 30 points a game in a lot of their losses this year, the offense was fine. Mike Lush's offense was fine this year. The defense let them get down uh, against quality opponents, and they're going to have to figure that out. Either either it's a personnel thing, or it's a coaching thing, or it's both. But they got nine months to figure that out. Or the American offenses are going to run them out of the water, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree with you that Seth Luttrell's job is safe for next year. I agree with that. I mean, the records speak for themselves. He's done, I mean, he's gotten North Texas to new heights than this program has ever seen before. But I I do also agree that the American is is different, you know? And and we've talked about it over and over again on this show. The only two American opponents that North Texas played this year, you know, they were outplayed in both games. They were out-schemed, out-coached. Um, so definitely job safe for next year, but I think it will, all eyes are going to be on him, I think, next and year in kno- American. And
1: he knows it, right? Yes, like definitely. When, when a new athletic director comes in and you're on the last year of your contract and you're moving into a conference championship, right. and you're not blind. You hear the noise from the outside. You know what the fan base thinks and stuff. He knows. That he's on a one-year trial period. That whole coaching staff will be, and maybe that lights a fire under their butt. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they, maybe maybe that whole team gets better. You know, because like we've talked about it too. When they lost to Marshall, and then they moved to one and five, and then the next week they lost to Liberty, one and six. Like mm-hmm. we we buried that coaching staff. Yeah, like and not just us on the show, like just in, like as a community of college football. Like everybody thought Seth the trail was done. Mm-hmm. Then they rip off five straight wins. And then they go to a Conference USA championship. And so I think that they're working in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a Mason Fine on campus, right? But they're working in the right direction. And if we took Frank Harris and put him on North Texas and we took Asanani and put him on uh, UTSA,
0: there would be a much more level even playing field. Right. Are we sure? Are we sure
1: that North Texas isn't the best team in Conference USA after that? Right. And like, mm-hmm. That's just that's just what reality of college football is sometimes. Like I don't know if Jeff Trailer is a twenty point better coach than Seth Luttrell, but I know Frank Harris is a twenty point better quarterback than anything North Texas has. And there's not many Frank Harris's that grow on trees, right? Like they don't just fall around. Like, you don't get guys that put up four thousand total yards and forty touchdowns and just the cra- like that. That's a hard thing to do. Like only a few programs have that, and the ones that do at the G five level are the ones ranked. And the ones competing for conference championships. And when North Texas had that guy and Mason Fine, they were doing the exact same thing. And so for me, it goes back to the James and Joes thing. Right now, UTSA is just a more talented roster than North Texas. And so it's <laughs> hard for me to know what percentage of this is Seth Patrell, what percentage of this is just, I mean, UTSA is just a damn good G five team. Like they're just a they really <laughs> like Tulane, UTSA, those are the best two G five teams in the country. They just are, and you mm-hmm. lost to one at their place on a Friday night in the Conference USA Championship game. To me, there's no shame in that.
0: No, no, and and to to boast a little bit about North Texas, I mean, they had a couple players that broke some records. Yeah. Katie Davis set the UNT all-time record for career tackles at 419. Jeez. And then earlier in that game, that touchdown pass, Austin touchdown pass to Jair Shorter, I think – he broke the single season passing or maybe touchdown yeah. program record. And that even moved him past Mason fine. So this North Texas team is they're a good team. I mean, they've got talent, they've got good players, but yeah, like you said, UTSA is just a in a different animal. They're just, a, they're a different level of talent. They're just different, you know? And, but I mean, nonetheless, it happened. Um, now both teams can look at each other and be like, hey, let's get out of here. Let's move on to the American and see what they can do there. Um, I definitely think that UTSA is probably going to be towards the top of the pack in the American, um, considering that some of the best teams in the American are leaving, like Houston, Cincinnati, um, UCF. Uh, they're all leaving. Um North Texas will, I, in you can, you know, back me up on this if you agree, but I think they'll probably be in the middle of the pack, yep. I would assume, in the American. Um, so, super interested to see kind of how that shakes out next year. Um, it'll be kind of a different feel, I think, to it, um, different opponents. So, it'll be a lot harder, I feel like, to pick, you know, overall records of utsa and unt this year because we just don't really know what we're getting into we don't know how these teams are going to match up against the american teams that are currently in there that are still staying in the american
1: yeah putting together the magazine next year with all the movements going to be crazy because like what does conference usa look like with liberty coming in and and, you know liberty just spending four million dollars on their coach right Mm -hmm. like they're going to be the same conference as sam houston who almost lost mm-hmm. their coach to Texas state and UTEP who doesn't pay their coach a million dollars. You know what I mean? Like um, it's just going to be a very weird conference in the American. the same way, like rice moving in. What does that, what does that do to the outs? Like can, can they hang in? Right. The, how good is Tulane going to be? SMU UTSA is uh, you know how, cause to me the thing with conference USA that always gets me is like, I don't know how good UTSA is. Cause I know how bad conference USA is.
0: That's the thing. Yeah. You
1: know? And so like, does UTSA get exposed as like the best conference USA team, but that means third or fourth best American team? like I don't know. like we're gonna right. go we're gonna go find that out. Uh, same with North Texas. Um, and so yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an eye-opening season. Uh, we're gonna figure out kind of what is real and and what was imagined um, from Conference USA play next year because even with UCF and Cincinnati and Houston leaving, it's gonna be a step up for these teams to move into the American. It just it just is
0: right, right. Well, there you go. There is your your probably last ROF college football recap of the entire season. Um, this Wednesday, we are going to do a a big bowl breakdown. Um, I believe the matchups will be released probably later today since yeah, the, the top four we'll, came out already. We'll
1: we'll know it by the time, you know, right. by the time the three o'clock NFL games go around. It'll start trickling out throughout the day.
0: And I believe that probably 10 of the 12. Yeah, of the Texas FBS schools are going to be going to a bowl, so we'll have a lot of, lot of content to talk about here on Wednesday. So please make sure to tune in to that. We'll put a lot of work into it. So, um, should be a good time on Wednesday. And with that being said, we have interviewed twelve of the eventual thirteen of the. We well, I guess it. now we can. We got to change
1: it. We got. We've interviewed eleven. Of the 13, because Jake Spavadol is is gone and we haven't gotten Kenny on the show yet.
0: That's right. That's right. We have have interviewed 11 of the eventual 13 Texas FBS coaches. G.J. Kenny and maybe Jimbo Fisher, if you're still there, give us a call. Go Rutgers.